Amen, amen, amen. I just noticed, I couldn't help but notice as we were worshiping today, how many of the songs we sang did contain that verse? His perfect love casts out all fear. Be the love casting out all fear. My good, somebody said backstage, it was Chris Lawson, I'll just give him credit for it. He said backstage this morning that he had been reading the verse, perfect love casts out all fear, and then he looked at social media and thought, if there is ever a time in history, we need to know that we are safe in the Father's hands, that He loves us with an everlasting, unconditional love. And He says, every time Jesus or God or an angel of God appears in the Bible, what's the first two words they say? Fear not! And so we need to be a people who are not gripped by any kind of fear, but are living in the peace of God that passes all understanding. You, under, you realize what that means? The peace of God that passes or transcends all understanding. That means you're going to be walking about like some, people are going to think you're some kind of naive simpleton that doesn't understand what's going on in the world. Why is that person so happy and peaceful? I don't understand it. That's because it's a peace of God that passes all understanding. Nobody will understand it. But we are in the bubble of His peace. We are filled with His unconditional love, and we are safe in our Father's hands. Can you say amen to that, church, today? And if, you, if that, you can't grasp that, then today's message is going to really help you because it's as we grow in our knowledge of God's Word that our thoughts are replaced. Today, in our Simply message series, we're looking at the subject of simply Scripture. Simply Scripture. What is the most simple thing that we can say about the Bible? And as we look at this, you're going to see that one of the main reasons that we are encouraged to read, to meditate, to study, to know Scripture is because as God's thoughts fill our hearts and minds, they replace and push out our thoughts, and we become much more grounded in the thoughts that God has for us, the plans that He has for us, because the Bible tells us, God says, my thoughts are not like your thoughts, and my plans are not like your plans. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, and my ways are higher than your ways. And so we don't want to be living our lives away down here. We want to be pulled up into the higher thoughts, and that is what reading and meditating upon Scripture does for us. So today we're going to be looking very, very simply at what the Bible is, why we should read it, and how we should read it. And uh, so we're going to start off you may remember the very first part of this message series was called Simply Jesus. And we're going to start today looking at the same passage that we started that message with. Because in the Bible, there are two things that are called the Word of God. There is Scripture, which is the written Word of God, 
And there is Jesus Christ himself who is the living word of God, God's message in human form. So let's start by looking at this passage. It's from Matthew's gospel. And here's what it says. This is Jesus speaking. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine. So this passage is not just about believing in Jesus, coming to Jesus, but it's about listening to the words of Jesus and putting them into practice. Anyone who does that hears Jesus' words and actually tries to live them out is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the stream rose, the wind blew against, like today, my goodness, I opened the door today and the door almost blew off. There was the sound of a rushing mighty wind this morning. And it says, be against the house, yet it did not fall because it had a foundation on a rock. Now look, the rock wasn't Jesus. Jesus is the rock of our salvation, yes. But in this passage, the rock is hearing Jesus' words and putting them into practice. That's the rock. And then read on, it says this. But anyone who hears these words, so this is not speaking to people who haven't even heard the message, but people who have heard the message, but choose to not put it into practice in their life, is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, and the streams arose, and the wind blew against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Listen, we are saved not by our biblical knowledge or not by doing a religious ritual or anything like that. We're saved by God's grace, by a free gift, when we put our faith in Jesus, in a living person, okay? But from then on, if we want our life to then be built strongly on the ways of Jesus, we need to know what his words are, and we need to understand the words of God. You know, let me just tell you a little bit of a story about when I, when I first became a Christian. So I was a, I, so I, I was like about 18 years old. I I knew a few Bible stories because I had been brought up going along to a mainline church, and we did hear some Bible stories there, you know. I mean, they would basically tell you a Bible story. Noah built an ark, animals went in two by two, a flood came, and they all survived. And it's a good thing to be a nice person and help your neighbors. That was basically the message. Nobody, no one told me that I was a lost sinner and that I was in desperate need of a Savior and that God loved me so much He provided that Savior by sending His Son, Jesus. Heard stories about Jesus, heard little things that Jesus did, you know, he fed the 5,000 and so on. So I knew a few Bible stories in the background, but none of it related or, or had been related to our lives in any way. So that was as a kid. I had those in the background, became a teenager, and um, then eventually I came to faith in Christ, and I got my first Bible. It was the Good News Bible. It's got little it's got little stick men in it, which helped me a lot. So um, the Good News Bible, I loved it and I still love it. And, and actually, before I, was, before I even got the Good News Bible, they gave me the Gospel of Mark. 
It was also the good news version. Good news according to Mark. And it was just the gospel of Mark, which is the shortest of the four gospels. And at the back of the gospel of Mark, they had a they had a prayer of salvation printed in the back of it, this little gospel. So I started off with the gospel of Mark, and every night uh, when I went to bed, because you see, I had nothing better to do at night because I lost all my druggy friends the night I became a Christian. And I had not yet made new Christian friends. So I was all alone, but I was not lonely because I had met a new friend. His name was Jesus. He was a friend that sticks closer to a brother than a brother. And you know, and I've sometimes wondered, just looking at my own experience, maybe when someone comes to faith in Christ, it might be good to send them off to a remote island on their own for a few months to actually get to know God and build their faith. That was kind of what happened to me. So every night, I used to go, I was a chef. We used to finish work about 11 p.m. or midnight, and we used to go to nightclubs after that. So I did, I stopped going to the nightclub, so I went home. And before I would go to sleep, I would get my Gospel of Mark out, and I would read a chapter. And it's really easy to read a chapter of the Bible, like they're really short. Chapters in the Bible are just a few paragraphs, you know? And um, anyway, I would read a chapter, and then I would, I would pray. Now, I didn't know how to pray yet. I'd only become a Christian. So the first thing I would do each night was just to make sure I would pray that salvation prayer again at the back of the book, you know, just to make sure it, it had taken properly, you know. And, uh, and then I would just say a prayer about whatever I had read. I read that Jesus said we were to do A, B, C, and D in that chapter. And so I would pray and say, God, I pray that you would help me to do this and to live this way. And you know, as, as somebody reading through the Gospels for the first time of my own volition, it actually was quite exciting. You see, I had grown up hearing people saying, oh, the Bible's boring, the Bible's old-fashioned, the Bible's out of date. I had heard all these things. But actually, this was, like read, this was like watching the next episode of something on Netflix every night, you know? It was like, what happens next? Like, he, he turned over these tables and made a whip and whipped them all out of the temple. Like, what, what, what's he, what's he going to do tomorrow night, you know? And, I would, and sometimes it was so exciting, I would read two chapters instead of one before I went to sleep. Because you just couldn't stop there, you know? And so as I, be, I began to get to know Jesus by reading about him in the Gospels and then praying to him about the things I had just read about in the Gospels. And I found that the more my mind and heart got filled with Scripture, even though I didn't always understand it at times, sometimes I misunderstood it and had to correct what my understanding later on. That was why I would come to church and I would hear somebody that actually had studied this stuff talking about it. And I would think, oh yeah, I obviously got that, misunderstood that one, you know. You're not supposed to actually literally pluck your eye out. Okay, right. Oh, I get that now. Right. Okay. So, <clears throat> as I grew in my knowledge of Scripture, God's presence became more and more real to me. I, His presence was always with me. I began to become aware of God moving in my life because I was aware through reading Scripture of the way He had moved in other people's lives. I also began to replace my thoughts, my beliefs, 
my opinions about everything, my desires for this, that, or the next thing, and they began to be replaced with God's. It was kind of like, you know, imagine all you ever ate was McDonald's, 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 breakfast, lunch, and supper, McDonald's all the time. And somebody came and said to you, look at all this healthy food here that you could, and I don't like fruit and vegetable, yuck, I'm not eating that stuff. It's boring, it's old-fashioned, it's out of date, McDonald's is what I should be eating, right? Then one day, somebody who knows how to cook prepares a delicious meal with all of this healthy food, and you start eating it, and you think, oh my goodness, that tastes good. That tastes great. You still like your McDonald's, but mm, that tastes great. And before you know it, you're starting to eat more of the healthy food, and now when you eat a McDonald's, <coughs> don't even want that now. Your appetite begins to change, your taste begins to change, and you now begin to feed your body with more. This is a bad illustration because I order McDonald's. I mean, like I order McDonald's all the time. Maybe I maybe I'm preaching to myself here. But anyway. <laughs> right? So it's like that. You've got a taste for the things of the world which lead to death, which lead to division, which lead to negativity, and you begin to taste and see that the Lord is good. And all of a sudden, your appetite begins to change, and you want more and more of the things of God and less and less of that stuff. So let me just tell you a few things. First of all, what is the Bible? Let's look first of all, what is the Bible? Well, first of all, the Bible is not a book. The word Bible actually means a library. So the Bible is a collection of books. It's a collection of 66 books divided into the Old Testament. That's everything that happened before Jesus came. And the New Testament, which starts when Jesus came. Okay? The Old Testament and the New Testament, 66 books written by multiple authors over hundreds of years of history, chronicling lots and lots of different stories at different points in history, and yet somehow they all come together with one overarching theme. And the reason they all come together with one overarching theme is because it wasn't just a bunch of old history dudes writing down history. These people were actually in a relationship with God and were being inspired by God to write down the things they were writing. And even though what they were writing just looked like one little piece of a jigsaw puzzle, it might have looked blue like the sky, and a hundred years later, some other person felt inspired by God to write their piece. It was just like a little green piece of the grass, and it looked like these things don't have anything in common. But then you realize that it all comes together as different pieces that show one picture. And the one picture is this, that God, the creator of all things, loves us even though we rebel against Him, even though we hurt one another, even though we sin and go our own way, He loves us so much that He has set up a plan, 
a plan of history, a plan of the ages to salvage us, to send a Savior who would save us, to prepare a people over hundreds of years for the arrival of that Savior so that they would understand Him when He came, and then for that Savior to do the work that would accomplish our salvation, and then how we would spread that message of salvation throughout the world. One overarching theme throughout the whole thing. Now, I've said 66 books. Let me just say this. Um, it is true some Bibles have a few more books, Catholic Bibles, Orthodox Bibles, even some versions of the King James Bible or the New English Translation. You can get the Bible or you can get the Bible with the Apocrypha. There is a few more books there that kind of fill out the historical information between the Old Testament stopping and the New Testament starting. And you can, get, you can get a Bible with those little bits of history in it if you want, and you can read it, and it won't do you any harm, and it will do you uh, good, I'm sure. It will help fill out some of the gaps. And there are some other spiritual books that were written at the time that are not included in the Bible. I'm sure many of you have heard them. All you have to do is go on YouTube, and you'll find plenty of videos about the conspiracy that the church started to keep certain books out of the Bible. Now, I want to tell you something. There was no conspiracy to keep certain books out of the Bible. If there had been, I would be all over it, because that would just really appeal to me to get to the bottom of this conspiracy and find out what books. No, there was no conspiracy whatsoever. Um, by the time the the, 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 Christ, the time Jesus came along, the Old Testament was already written. And yes, it is true that church leaders got together and said, look, we know that the, these, these books were written by the Apostle Paul, you know, and we know that these books were written by, by Mark or by Luke or whoever, but there's a few cults started up. What happened was there was a few cults started up called Gnosticism, started up in the, in the first century. And they were trying to spread their message, but everybody was going for the, the Jesus message that the Christians were spreading. And so they thought, if we could put our message in the mouth of Jesus, maybe people would like it better. And so they kind of, like maybe 200 years after Jesus, some people forged a few gospels and tried to put strange Egyptian teachings and Greek teachings into the lips of Jesus. That's the books that weren't included, okay? So there are a few books that are worth reading, they're fine. They were written by holy people, by prophets, by apostles. And there's a few books that were, that were forgeries. But what we know for sure is all the 66 books of the Bible are ones that were completely vetted. They had to be accurate. They had to have been written by an eyewitness or something like that so that they could be included in the Bible. So that brings us to the next point, which is this. How do we know that we can trust the Bible? How do we know we can trust the Bible? Well, I've just said I, we have eyewitness accounts. You know, I always think it's funny when you talk to an atheist or a skeptic or something like that. Yeah, I don't believe. Jesus didn't rise from the dead. Well, the eyewitnesses recorded it. Yeah, they just made it up. Oh, did you hear about when Julius Caesar did such and such? How do you know Julius Caesar did that? Well, one Roman historian recorded it someplace. Maybe he made it up. 
Why would he make it up? Well, why would 500 people lie about seeing Jesus alive from the dead then? You know, it is just so amazing, the inconsistency and logic when people come to Scripture. But anyway, Scripture is written by eyewitnesses. Hey, if you read the beginning of Luke's gospel, Remember that Luke was actually a medical doctor, Dr. Luke, okay? And he was somebody that, that, that recorded things meticulously. And he says at the beginning of Luke's gospel that many people have already written an account of Jesus' life and his teachings. So what I did, he says, was I took those accounts and I went and interviewed the eyewitnesses that were still alive to ensure that these were accurate accounts. This wasn't some dude saying, let's make up a fairy tale about a man called Jesus. That wasn't what happened at all. And so, we know that it was written by eyewitnesses. There is so much historical, I can't even say that word. Corroboration. This doesn't look right. I wrote the word down in the first place. Anyway, and there's also archaeological evidence. So if you've if you've got if you have got historical evidence, documents, and if you've got archaeological evidence, let me give you an example. His, skeptical historians, <laughs> the book of Jonah, <laughs> what a laugh, a man getting swallowed by a whale and then going to the magical city of Nineveh, which never existed. <laughs> then one day an archaeologist is out in the desert, oh, what's this we've just found? The city of Nineveh exactly where the book of Jonah said it was, duh, <laughs> right? So we've got all of this archaeological evidence, but I'm going to tell you, I, 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 I'm not even interested in all that. I'm not interested in arguing with people about this historical fact or that historical fact. How do I know the Bible's true? Because I read it and it changed my life. I went from being somebody that was trying to recruit everybody else into drugs and the occult to somebody whose heart had been washed clean, whose life had been changed, whose mind was being renewed as I read the Scriptures. And now I wanted to spread the love of God to everybody. The Bible is the only book that transforms human lives and has been doing so for thousands of years. So, maybe you need something corroborated, and maybe you need some kind of evidence, or maybe you need this, that, or the next thing, and if that helps you, good and fine. But I'll tell you, if you will take the Bible on faith, if you will put your faith in God and trust that this is His Word, you will find your life being changed in a way that just logic and information would never do. And also, well, how are we supposed to read the Bible then? How do we read the Bible? Well, I would suggest you read it one book at a time. Um, like, like I did with the Mark's gospel story that I told you about. I just read a chapter of Mark's gospel every night before I went to bed. You find a time that's good for you. First thing in the morning, last thing at night, in the, you know, at lunchtime, listening to an audio Bible in the car while you're stopped at every blinking red light in St. Albert. I, I, I'm thinking of standing for mayor of St. Albert. 
just to fix the traffic lights. That's all I'm interested in doing. Anyway, but you know, instead of getting angry, you could make it work for you. I mean, you could probably listen to 10 chapters by the time you get to the end of the road. Read the Bible, just read it. Read it like a book, let it fill you. You can also study the Bible. By studying it, you're thinking, what, what does this passage mean? I want to know the context of it. So you, you read a couple of chapters before it and a couple of chapters after it to make sure you're, you're understanding it in its grammatical context. And then if you've got a study Bible or you do a little research online, who wrote this and when did they write it and why did, what was the historical background? That's studying the Bible. You don't have to worry about getting into that until you've read it, okay? Read it first. But if you want, you can get into deeper study and study the Bible. Get into a whole lot of information about it. Or you can meditate, which is the exact opposite of studying. Studying is gathering all of this information so that you can logically understand what it all means. But meditating is not gathering information. It's just taking one short passage of Scripture, two or three verses, and reading them, and rereading them, and then pondering their meaning, thinking about it, letting it soak in, like you're marinating in it, then reading it again, then, then closing your eyes and visualize. If I was to put this into practice in my life, what would that be like? And it becomes real to you. Hey, you can pray Scripture. See if you find something in the Bible that you think, oh, man, I want that. I, I, I want my life to change that way. Write that verse down. Write it down in the first person as if you're saying it. Turn it into a prayer. I've got a book at home where I've taken lots of promises of Scripture and written them down in the first person as a prayer. I don't just, re I don't just read the, in the Bible where God supplies all of our needs according to His riches and glory, or I don't just read the verses where Jesus said, given it shall be given unto you. I put it in the first person and I say, I pray the Scriptures. Father God, I thank you that you are a God who supplies all of my needs. Not according to the economy in the world, but according to your riches and glory. So as I give, I thank you that it is given back to me, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. You begin to pray the scriptures. You know that God says, put me in remembrance of my word. That's how you do it. You remind God by praying it. And then of course you practice it as well. Let me just show you a few verses in the Bible, about the Bible. <clears throat> Let's look at this next verse here. It tells us, 2 Timothy 3.16. Now, this is actually talking about the Old Testament because the New Testament didn't exist yet. They were currently writing the New Testament, okay? But this is in the New Testament and it's talking about the Old Testament. And it says, all scripture is inspired by God. So what he's saying there is, Christians, make sure you read the Old Testament because it is inspired by God and it is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. 
So can you see there are immediately reasons for reading the Scriptures? Well, we should read it because God's inspired it, and if God wants to tell us and communicate something to us, it's worth us knowing. But it actually helps us. It's useful to us. It shows us, hey, don't go down that path. That's the wrong path, and that will lead to disaster. Go down this path in life. So that's, that's talking about the Old Testament is inspired by God. But what about the New Testament? Let me show you a verse in, in Peter, Second uh, Peter 3, 15 to 17. He's, he's now talking about the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, and the letters that he writes, and he says this, our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. Speaking of these things in all of his letters. Now, I think it's funny that even Peter says this about Paul. Some of his comments are hard to understand, right? <laughs> Some of his comments are hard to understand. And those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different just as they do with the other parts of Scripture. Peter is saying that Paul's letters are Scripture, like the Old Testament is, okay? Just as they do with the other parts of Scripture, and this will result in their destruction. Have a look at this verse here from, um, this is either from, this is from Romans. Okay, look, Romans 15, 4 such things were written in the Scriptures long ago to teach us, and the Scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises, which we only find in Scripture, to be fulfilled. Church, God doesn't tell us to read the Bible because, you know, it's, this is a chore. I am giving my children chores, and one of them is to read a dusty, boring old book. That's not what it's about at all. God is saying, I've sent a love letter to my children that tells them all about the promises that I have for them, all about the good things that I want to do in their life. And as they read that, they become encouraged and hopeful, and they receive those good things. It also warns them about not going down the wrong path, and what happens when you go down the wrong path, and it gives us wisdom. God has given us scripture because he loves us, and it's one of the greatest gifts he could have given to us. Look at this next verse here. Uh, Hebrews 4.2, the word of God is alive and powerful. Has anybody ever seen the movie, The Never-Ending Story? Anybody ever seen that? Never-Ending Story, la, 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 la. Okay, right, that one. So, do you remember when the boy, Bastian, opens the book, the magic book, and starts to read it, it's like he's sucked into the story. It's like the story's alive. It's like he's not just reading, he's involved in it. Some, that's what the scriptures are like. It's not a dead book. 
It's a living book. The Word of God is alive and powerful. And when you read it, you suddenly discover you're not just reading about King David who lived thousands of years ago, but you're reading about your life right here, right now. It speaks straight to you. Sometimes it cuts you right to the heart. It's like a two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, joints and marrows. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So, the Bible is inspired by God. Now, it says that itself. The New Testament says the Old Testament is inspired by God. Peter says Paul's writings are inspired by God. If you want to go and study outside of that and find all the evidence for Scripture, you can. Or if you're happy to just take it in faith, believe it, receive it, and let it transform your life, you will experience that too, either way. So, let's just have a look. What is it we're supposed to be doing with Scripture? Reading studying, meditating upon, put the next slide up please, praying, and obeying Scripture. Let's read, let's say that together. You ready? Reading, studying, meditating upon, praying, and obeying Scripture transforms our lives. Now, I said earlier on that it's really easy to read a chapter in the Bible. Most chapters in the Bible are just a few paragraphs. Well, that's until you come to Psalm 119. And the people laughing are the ones that have read it. It's the longest chapter. It's actually longer than some books of the Bible. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. We're not going to read it all, but I'm just going to read a few highlights from it. It would take us all our time just to read it. The longest chapter in the Bible, guess what it's all about? How powerful, how amazing, how life-transforming the Word of God is. Let's look at a few verses of it here, Psalm 119. How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your Word. I have, I have tried find, hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commandments. Have you ever been in that situation where all of a sudden, like, I don't feel God's presence, I'm trying to find Him, I, I'm usually aware that God's with me, I usually hear His still small voice, and now, now it feels like He's not there. I, I'm trying hard to find Him. What should I do? Should I believe my feelings? No, just follow His Word. Believe His Word. Don't believe your feelings. Look at this, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. When you fill your mind and heart with Scripture and all of a sudden you find yourself in a situation where there's peer pressure to do something that you know you shouldn't do, all of a sudden Scripture will come to you and will provide you with the way of escape. Look at this, I praise you, O Lord, Teach me your decrees. Let's read on. I have recited aloud all the regulations you have given us. That's what I'm talking about. Taking Scripture, writing it down in the first person in a form of prayer, and recite it aloud. 
confess it, affirm it, make affirmations based on Scripture. Recite it aloud. I have rejoiced in your laws as much as in riches. I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. Let's read on. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your lamp, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When I don't know where I'm where I'm going and what I'm supposed to do in life. When I study Scripture, it fills me and it gives me wisdom and it guides me in the right direction. Now, I'm talking about the importance of reading Scripture, and I really think reading it on a daily basis, even if it's a small portion, reading it on a daily basis is powerful. Read Scripture. Get to know the stories of Scripture. Let me say this. If you're new to the Bible and you don't know the Bible well, pick one of the four Gospels. Just read one of the God. Maybe Luke. Luke's Gospel followed by the Acts of the Apostles. He wrote that as like part one and part two. Read Luke's Gospel, a chapter a night. That will take you a month. Then read the book of Acts, a chapter a night. That will take you just under another month. Then maybe go back and read Genesis and Exodus. Then come back and read another gospel about Jesus. Then maybe read First and Second Samuel. Then read another gospel. See if you've done that. You've actually, you now know most of the major stories in the Bible. Now you just need to go and read some letters from apostles and some messages from prophets and fill in the blanks. And if you do that every day, it transforms you and it changes you. But here's one thing I want to say. Sometimes people think, once they get into studying the Bible, they think studying the Bible is what it's all about. It's all about studying the Bible. And then, have you ever met those people that you can't say anything without them correcting you with a Bible verse? Everything. Oh, yeah, you know, blah, blah, blah. Everything you say it might just be small talk. It might have been about the weather or about the traffic to work. And they correct you with a Bible verse. I think that's missing the point. The point of us reading Scripture, studying Scripture, meditating upon Scripture, praying Scripture, and putting it into practice is so we can know God more and grow in God more. Not so we can become Bible experts. When you die and stand before the Lord, you will not be given a Bible exam to see if you get in or not. You are saved by God's grace through a living person, Jesus Christ. And so here's what I want to say. Remember, Scripture points us to Jesus, the living Word of God. We read Scripture to know and grow in Christ, not to become Bible experts. As you're reading Scripture, like if you become a Bible expert on the way, that's great, enjoy it. But that's not the purpose of it. The purpose of it is to know a living person, Jesus Christ. Let's just finish by just looking at some verses about this to point us to Jesus. John's Gospel, chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word. 
the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is talking about Jesus, God's Word, God's message to humanity. The Bible is God's message to humanity in written form. Jesus is God's message to humanity in human form, okay? That He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him and nothing was created except through him. So the word, the message of God, became human and made his home amongst us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Remember that the Bible is all about Jesus, the living word of God. Next verse says this, Jesus said to the Pharisees, you search the Scriptures because you think that they give you life, but the Scriptures point to me, yet you refuse to come to me and receive this life. So don't get into Facebook arguments with people over the meaning of a verse of Scripture because it's all missing the point. The point of reading Scripture is to draw us to Jesus into a living relationship with Jesus where we receive the life of Jesus. My last verse says this. Do I have a I do. Thank you. It says, for if you listen to the Word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. And the older you get, it's more by choice that you forget what you just look like, okay? (laughs) But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free... And if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Let me ask you a question and give me a wave as an answer. How many of you would love God to bless you? Give me a wave. Right, okay. How are you going to get that blessing? By putting into practice what the Scriptures tell us to do. And what scriptures have we been looking at today? Scriptures that tell us that we should be reading, reading, we should be studying, we should be meditating upon, we should be praying, and we should be obeying the Word of God. So when we go home from here, when we leave here, or if you're watching online and you're already at home, as we go about our day's business, and as we go about this week, let's not just be hearers of the Word who say, yes, yes, the Bible does say that, amen, and then not do it, but let's become Bible readers this week. Let's become Bible meditators this week. Let's become Bible prayers this week, and let's be people who actually live it out in a real word this week, a real life this week, because reading, studying, meditating upon, praying, and obeying Scripture will transform your life this week. Can you say amen, church? Come on, let's stand up. We're going to say this prayer together. We're going to begin to speak out. We're going to do what it says. We're going to recite aloud 
the words of God. So are you ready? Okay, let's say this together. God's Word is my food. It feeds my faith and makes me strong. I will read, study, meditate, and pray God's Word. I will hide His Word in my heart so that I will not sin. My choices, my friendships, my activities, my whole life will be guided by the Word of God. It is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And all God's people shouted, come on church, give them a praise.